hotel It's gonna be a great Noel It's the Advent Calendar House Muffins, black man, smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory Welcome to what feels like the hundredth time we're doing this, because it is! You're listening to episode number 100 of the Advent Calendar House, a salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. It's also Christmas Eve, and while I did not plan it like this, I totally saw it coming and let it happen. And what better day than Christmas Eve than return to the world of Rankin Bass? So join us as we put one foot in front of the other and head back to 1970. Because Santa Claus is coming to town. So you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. I am Lost Penguin hanging out at the wrong pole, Mike Westfall. And joining me is an all-star panel of my trusty elves, Starting with my first ever guest and the first podcaster to the king, it's Brandon Medley. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Mike. So, like Chris Kringle in this special, I have a red beard, but I've never worn the red chin strap. <laughs> <laughs> and letting her hair down despite her head having never been so high above the clouds, it's Aaron Evans. Hi, Aaron. Hey. You know, when I let my hair down, you know, I, everyone suddenly notices how beautiful I am with my glasses and my bun and everything, right? <laughs> Both looks work for you. <laughs> Next is my singing and dancing mailman who won't stop telling me the backstory of everyone in my neighborhood. It's Michael Giovanni. Hiya, Dijo. Hey, Mike. Crazy fact about me. When I was a baby, my parents protected me from a crazy old wizard by hiding me under a pile of sticks. <laughs> I'm glad that worked out for you. <laughs> well, don't let that icy beard fool you and don't call him Mr. Warlock. It's only Michael May. Hello, Michael. Hey, Mike. You know, there are a lot of Christmas podcasts, but I just want to say our podcast is the best podcast of them all. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> And finally, the Grimsley to my Burgermeister, making his record 24th appearance on the Advent Calendar House. It's Joey O. Hey, Joey. Hey. Oh, should I use like a bad German accent? Guten Tag. <laughs> Aaron shaking her head. No. <laughs> Y'all, thank you so much for coming on and for year round support. I don't think I'd make it past like 10 episodes without each of you in one capacity or many capacities. But enough about that. I want to talk about Santa Claus is coming to town. Let's hear your histories watching this special. And we will start with Joey. I've never seen it until last night. <laughs> really? I feel like was this one that just didn't air on like the regular like cb or you know cbs abc nbc era in the 80s because if it didn't it just wasn't on my radar or if it wasn't like when i started watching things then i wouldn't have like gotten into it like oh when i was 14 i'd start watching this or something but if it wasn't in the loop with rudolph and frosty and everything in the mid 80s i don't know if i would have seen it it was not on the cbs loop with rudolph and frosty it aired on abc and i think it found its way onto what is now freeform. So it's in mm -hmm. that loop. 
But yeah, that was one. I'll get to my story later. Let's Aaron, what about you? Have you seen this before? You know, um, you know, when I I, I got cable late. Um, Me too. <laughs> I was um, we got cable in, I believe, 1997. Oh, wow. OK. So for me, I was already like well into my, I was a, I was like a junior in high school, maybe. Mm-hmm. Or, or I was about to be. And yeah, that was one of the things that I watched a lot. I watched a lot of Sunny and Cher. And then they had like Christmas in July on what are, what was the channel called? ABC Family? No, not ABC. This is before ABC Family. This is like, um, it wasn't, shoot, what was it? It was a TV land. Oh. Yeah. They, um, yeah, they had a Christmas in July. They had like Frosty the Snowman and his family. And they had... Um, Rudolph's Christmas in July, and and I know I saw this during that. Okay, that sounds right. <laughs> Brandon, how about you? I don't really remember the first time I saw this. I uh, it was like Joey was saying, it was not in the usual roundup in the eighties, um, at least not on CBS, as you said. I my family on our antenna picked up ABC sometimes and not others. So things that aired on ABC as a kid, I may or may not have seen them, but I know by the time I got to college and had cable for the first time and what was by that point, ABC family was airing like the Saturday morning marathons, which I had mentioned many times before on this show as finding the place where I discovered a lot of the lesser ranking bass specials for the first time. I saw this there, but I had encountered it before, at least once or twice as a kid. Um, and I've watched it several times since then, but it's still not one that makes it into my yearly rotation necessarily. Okay. DJ, how about you? Wow. I think I'm on the wrong podcast. In fact, here. Uh, <laughs> I do not remember a year of my life where I did not watch this uh, special um, we saw, and granted, I, I believe I am again, the lone Canadian on this show. So I could have been picking this up on the CBC or TV Ontario, but we were always able to find it even as young children. Uh, and I've just continually watched this one. It's an annual watch. I know, um, every, we all have favorites and we all have obscure, you know, uh, ones that we also enjoy. But for me, this is one of the all-time greats. Uh, that's why I was a little surprised to hear that Joey had had never seen it before. Because this, to me, is up there with, like, The Grinch or wow. The Peanut Special or Rudolph. I think this is one of the classics. Granted, it might not have been might not have been the right, the right channel. I'm sorry when I saw it, but... It felt like the same, it was it all jumbled together for me. It might have been there, maybe there was ABC family. I don't know. <laughs> Good very well. Well, Michael May, what's your story? Uh, I'm with DJ. So I, I I was a kid of the 70s, grew up in the 80s. Um, so this was on TV every year, like in, in my in my childhood years. Um, and then like Michael, once I kind of once I think it's a hit home video, like I I got the DVD or whatever. So we just, it is the annual watch for me. It's up there with, with Rudolph and Frosty. Um, and I don't like it as much as Rudolph and Frosty, but it is, it's like top tier every year. Gotta watch it. Mm-hmm. So I'm 
kind of in the middle of of everyone here. So as for me, I somehow watched this later in my childhood compared to many of the other Rankin Bass specials. I it did not make my parents' library of Christmas things taped off the TV. So I was maybe 10 or 11 before I saw this, which is weird for me to think that I saw The Year Without a Santa Claus before this, and I saw The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus before this. (laughs) I saw The Easter Bunny is coming to town before I saw Santa Claus is coming to town. Wow. So I don't have the love for it that I have for Rudolph or the strong memories of it I have for Frosty, but I definitely recognize that this is one of Rankin Bass's big three for a reason. A lot of people list this as the company's best Christmas special or top three, maybe. That's a debate I don't really care about. While Rudolph remains my favorite, everything they got right with Rudolph is fine-tuned by the time we get here, and everything here really works well. They definitely seem to consider this on the same level as Rudolph and Frosty because those are the three they packaged. My Blu-ray box set is those three. Yep, Mm -hmm. I have that same package. So Santa Claus is Coming to Town first aired on ABC on either December 13th or 14th, 1970. The internet seems to be torn, and I think I discovered why. So IMDb and Wikipedia have it as the 14th. Wikipedia cites as its source a book called Animated TV Specials, The Complete Directory of the First 25 Years. That's dated 1989. That lists the premiere date as December 14th. But right under that, it says ABC Sunday. December 14th was not a Sunday. It was a Monday. (laughs) So then I looked on TV Tango, which has an archive of daily primetime TV listings, and they have it on the 13th. ABC, Sunday Night Special, 7 o'clock Eastern. So maybe this book had a typo, and everyone copied that typo, and other blogs I've seen have it as the 13th. But then I've seen other sites saying it debuted on Monday, the 14th. So which is right? I don't know. It's on the internet. It can't be wrong. I think it's the 13th, and more than half the internet just accepted the typo. That would really be a thing if the internet was divided about something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after recording this, I found a book about the making of this special that shows Nielsen ratings from Sunday, December 13th, 1970. The book is called The Making of Santa Claus is Coming to Town and The Daydreamer. It's by Rick Goldschmidt. I'm going to bring up Rick a bit later in this episode, and I trust this research. A link to his book is in the show notes. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. That's some fine investigative work there, Mike. (laughs) There we go. I'm guessing it's the 13th, and if I'm right, that would be breaking news. And speaking of breaking news... Today, children everywhere are making preparations for an event of world-shaking significance. The annual visit of Santa Claus. Our top story today... Children preparing for Santa. We got there. Like Rudolph, this special opens with a very important newsreel, which presents children preparing for Santa as an event of world-shaking significance. And that leads us into meeting the man behind the man, the official postmaster of the North Pole, responsible for delivering Santa's mail for children all over the world. It's our narrator, Fred Astaire, as Special Delivery Kluger, or SD for short. Oh, I've got lots of letters for Santa today. And every year, they're the same. 
Some ask for toys, but a lot ask questions. Wasn't there an, an SD Jones? Wasn't he like an 80s jobber? <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> yes. He was one of the greats. He was one of the greats. It's his cousin. Mike, is is this the only Rankin and Bass narrator that appears twice? I think it might be. And wrong. Isn't he also the 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 narrator for the East the aforementioned Easter Bunny? Yes, to he town? is. Uh, though instead of his little mail truck, he's got a train. So let's hear your thoughts on SD Kluger. What do you guys think in the pantheon of Rankin Bass narrators? Does Fred Astaire sit for you all? Well, I mean, obviously he's no um Spur Lives. Yeah, Spur Lives. No. <laughs> Sam the Snowman. I feel like he has a wanton disregard of the law and people's privacy where it comes to opening other mail. Yes, he's opening <laughs> children's mail. <laughs> I know he's not a U.S. postman. He works at the North Pole, but that doesn't seem right. He seems to be taking a lot of breaks at the job, too, by just talking to animals for hours. Well, his, the, the truck broke down. Is his truck broke down? Is that what it? Yeah, that's what he gets out and he's fixing that. He's like, well, while I'm down here, hey, look at all these letters for Santa. Let's open some. <laughs> oh, so he's procrastinating. I thought he was just killing time. Yeah, <laughs> a little of both. Nobody can compare to Sam Snowman. This guy's fine. Um, but he's not Sam. I would even rank the who, who is the narrator Frosty? I can hear his voice. But, I mean, you're I mean, Randy. Randy. Yeah, that that one. Uh, in, uh, you go back to episode one, folks, and you can hear my well noted <laughs> dislike of Frosty as a special. But that narrator's better. Um, so I, I don't know. He's probably top three, but he's number three. I'm I'm picking up what you're throwing down there. I I think he doesn't. Uh, he's certainly not Sam the Snowman, uh, but I think he's good. I mean, it's Fred Astaire, so I would I would clearly safely put him at top three at the at the least yeah i'm gonna go back and forth on him and jimmy durante just depending on my mood like i really like me some hot cha cha but uh <laughs> yeah. um but we we get a lot more fred astaire and he does this, this whole like twinkle toes dancing on air stuff and yep. uh you know he's pretty charming um don't, don't even think about the fact that he's breaking a lot of federal laws but um, <laughs> but yeah he's he's he and jimmy are, are just behind Sam for me, I guess. Yeah. I guess maybe, you know, the thing that Fred Astaire is most known for doesn't necessarily translate to animation. No, but I'm glad they made him dance through the opening credits. Yeah. They they put it in there. Right. Because you don't get Fred Astaire for his voice. Even as a stop motion puppet. Put him to work. <laughs> <laughs> and who names their kids special? <laughs> I don't know. Is that why he thinks it's okay to open kids' mail? <laughs> Rules don't apply to him. He's special. No, um, I, in working in an elementary school, I've learned that kids do have the name Angel. or usually no Angel. Kids <laughs> have the name King. Probably should have been named King or Precious. But, you know, that's what you get when you name kids special. <laughs> so the story of Santa begins, of course, when he was a baby. In one of the northern countries, there was a small city called Sombertown. A cold place which shivered in the shadows of the strange mountain of the whispering winds. Though I've got to say, Sombertown, just as a castle town, looks really neat. It's a place I'd like to visit, but as a theme park attraction. 
Yeah, I don't want that to be my permanent address for (laughs) sure. The name is a bit of a giveaway. (laughs) But I will say the design is top-notch here. This this medieval-esque little village is just, it's an eyeful. It's excellent. And I think as we continue to go through the special, I will continue to echo that. I think all of the production design of the entire world here is excellent. Yeah, and I love like the the really muted colors are great too. Like you know, there's a lot of grays, and and even when the teacher shows up later, and her, but her red hair is not the same kind of brilliance as Chris's red hair. But you know, most of like a bunch of little goth kids running around like Wednesday <laughs> Adams. It's I don't know. It's pretty cool though. I agree. I think that the well, as we get into the well, into the seventies and later with Rankin Bass. The narrative, the song, some of, some of the storytelling and writing aspects, they're pretty formulaic by that point. Sometimes they're going downhill. Um, this has got to hit the sweet spot right in the middle. But the one thing I appreciate is as they go on, you can tell like, their production design, their set designs, their puppets, they get better and better and more impressive. And this one is really nice, nice designs on all of it. I really like them. Um, again, going back to Rudolph, that you could tell they're the same like cute animals. And that same look was really lovely to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little the little chipmunks, their little teeth and their couches, and and there's a little deer that looks like Clarice eventually. And um, yeah, and then there's a the, the thing about this is why was Klaus with his bright red hair intended for somber town? I'm not really clear on that. Yeah, tiny baby Santa is orphaned and left on the doorstep of the mayor of Sombertown, Burgermeister Meisterburger. And of course, it's Paul Freeze. Oh, take the little uh, baggage to the orphan asylum. That's the proper place for foundlings anyway. <laughs> Get the brat out of here! Doing a variation of his Boris Badenoff voice. So here's the thing about the Burgermeister. Our friend Jen loves this. This is like her favorite special. And she's always like, oh, you've never seen the one with the Burgermeister? I was picturing a character that looked like like Mayor McCheese. <laughs> That's what I was expecting. <laughs> I could see how you could land there. Uh, right, right. <laughs> uh, yes. But he, I, I, I love the design. Once again, to pick up on, I think what Brandon was saying, it's the design of this character, Burgermeister, Meister Burger is, is great. And for me, I think this might be my favorite Paul Freeze performance in, in one of the rank of bass. I know M- Mr. Westfall, you're very fond of his Santa Claus. I'm not taking anything away from that. No. But for me personally, I really like this is my favorite Paul Freeze. I mean, he's fun. He I put him in there in the same vein as Heat Miser and Snow Miser. Um, I don't think he's as fun as them for me. But, you know, he's got a name that's fun to say. Yeah, I I never really thought about him comparing them to the Miser Brothers, but he's not as fun as them. But I like him better, like as a villain, like he's he's one of the great Rankin Bass villains for me. Um, Just he's so, you know, just anti toy and anti fun. And and you kind of get you know, just from the voice performance, just to the design of the character, you see why this guy doesn't want anybody to have any fun. Like he just looks like the kind of guy like that. Um, so yeah, I just, I think he's a great foil for, uh, for, for Chris. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he is. He's, he's probably my favorite Rankin basketball. I can't think of a different, another one that I like better. 
he might be mine as far as like a bumbling villainous character goes. You have the Miser Brothers, but they're not really villainous for the sake of just being bad. Right. And it's not and it's not like Winterbolt from Christmas in July, who's just all powerful king of evil. He's he's more bumbling than that, which really works here. And that's a great achievement to get from here after Rudolph and Frosty and things. He's kind of uh, he's kind of the sheriff of Nottingham to Chris's Robin Hood. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. That's that's perfect. My take on this character was, again, I watched I watched weird things when I was little. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I grew up on Predator and um, Full Metal Jacket. And um, (laughs) I don't know. I watched a lot of. Yes. No, no, I'm remembering where you're getting with yeah. this now. And then I watched a lot of Mannequin and Short Circuit and Police Academy movies. And I just like rewound them and watched them again. And Ghostbusters, of course. Um, so my main take from this character was Mauser from the Police Academy movies. Oh, and wow. He yeah. Just looks like him and sounds like him and acts <laughs> like him. And that, that I'm just like, oh, that Mahoney, I'm going to get him. That's how I felt. <laughs> I never connected that, but Neither that is now, I'm never going to be able to unsee that. That no. is so good. You, oh, I feel like you just improved this special. <laughs> One more thing about the Burgermeister. Mike, do you have any in your notes why he's called that? No. I looked it up today because I was confused. Um, from Wikipedia, Burgomaster, alternately spelled Burgermeister, literally translate to master of the town, master of the borough, master of the fortress, master of the citizens is the English form of various terms in or derived from Germanic languages for the chief magistrate or executive of a city or town. Yeah. Uh, Frankenstein and Pride of Frankenstein, the Universal Monster movies, both have Burgermeisters. Uh, oh, the, oh the, that's the right. And they run the town. It's like they, every yeah. important job they do. Yep. Like right. they're the police. They're the finance. They're the health minister. Like they're they the mayor. do it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lord of the manor, king of the castle. <laughs> Paul Fries is also the voice of Burgermeister's right-hand man, Grimsley. Herr Burgermeister, Herr Burgermeister, look what was discovered on your front stoop. He's the one who finds the baby on the doorstep, complete with the name tag that reads Claws. But Burgermeister doesn't want to raise a baby, so he sends Grimsley to the orphan asylum, which is apparently 10 miles out of the city. It's an asylum for orphans, which makes me think, okay, it's for criminally insane parentless children is what I thought. I'm like, why are they in an asylum? (laughs) They call him, they call the baby a foundling. I feel, I think that's the actual term they use. And I started to go, are these like mutant kids that they're, they're finding and sending off it's, to it's some the new weird... mutants? It's the origin story that we never got. So, yeah. Keep the orphaned mutants far away from all other humans. And Mike, if I could just make a little note uh, from this point f- forward, Grims, uh, what was his name? Grimsley? Grimsley. Grimsley, we have to refer to as Proctor. Uh, that's-, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. But these whispering winds are strong enough to whisk away an entire sled with a baby on it up the entire mountain. And we see a group of various woodland animals hiding the baby from the mountain's biggest and creepiest resident, the Winter Warlock, voiced by Keenan Wynn. Who nears my 
Does any of you know Keenan Wynn primarily for something else? Probably. One of the Herbie Lovebug movies is what I know him from. Yeah, uh, Herbie Rides Again, I think, yeah. is where I know him from. Uh, and also, he was uh, in Doctor Strangelove as Colonel Bat Guano, which is a fantastic name. Uh, he was also in the film version of Annie Get Your Gun as Charlie Davenport. He is the son of Edwin, probably oh. best known by people of our general age range as uh, Uncle Albert and Mary Poppins in the Mad Hatter in Disney's Alice in Wonderland. This is oh, his God. son. Hmm. I'm not going to do an Edwin impression. <laughs> <laughs> oh, having some th- Nope, that's not <laughs> Nope, don't do it. <laughs> no, don't let me silly. <laughs> Here, Keenan Wynn is the winter warlock, but we only see his shadow for now because the animals quickly take that baby on a sled somewhere safe. And that somewhere safe is called Rainbow River Valley. And this is the only place in all of Christmas and Santa Claus lore that mentions a Rainbow River Valley. It is a Rankin Bass original creation. I think I've driven off of it with Yoshi a few times. They need to put barriers. <laughs> uh, well, they safely leave baby claws on another doorstep, this one belonging to the Kringle family of elves. All wearing red Santa-style suits we're all familiar with now. So that's our first question answered. Why does Santa wear a red suit? Because that was the style at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope that if kids are still sending Santa letters with these kind of questions, like we saw in the letters, um, that he just replies with a "Let me Google that for you" link. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of these were like so pedantic. I'm like, you wasted your letter. You could be asking for some cool gift, and instead you ask, "Why is your suit red?" <laughs> My kids are already planning to ask Santa if he knows Jack Frost, because. They have recently gotten into the movie Rise of the Guardians, which my answer to them was, yeah, of course he does. They made a whole movie out of it, but they need to know from Santa, which I understand. So right away. They should go back and read those books that they were that movie was based on. Pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yes. Or Bunnyman and stuff. Yeah, they'll read the they'll read the books. Uh, and this is also Paul Freeze's voice as every Kringle brother. Wingo, Zingo, Jingo, Zingo. What is it, Zingo? It's a baby, Zingo. A baby what, Wingo? A baby, baby, Tingo. I like babies, Bingo. Our babies, the best baby of them all, Wingo. Probably modulated up a bit to make it sound more elvish. Uh, we have Dingle, Bingle, Wingle, and Zingle, and Tingle. No relation. <laughs> and they all bring the baby to the elf queen, Tanta Kringle, and it's Joan Gardner. A baby? What a splendid idea. He shall live with us and sleep with us and drink warm cocoa with us. There's a familiar name if you'd listened to the first 99 episodes of this podcast. <laughs> uh, before this special, we heard her in Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol as both Tiny Tim and the Ghost of Christmas Past. And after this, she was in the first Easter rabbit as the mother of the little girl, Glinda, and also as Calliope the fairy who brings the velveteen Easter bunny to life. Here she's Tante Kringle, probably her best known voice role. 
who names the baby Chris, Chris Kringle. Despite every one of the Kringles seeing his name tag clause, they just decide, nope, he's Chris. Why doesn't he get a Kringle rhyming name like all the rest of them? Anta's old. That's just, she's tired and old. She's over it. She won't be able to keep their names straight. I'm tired of thinking of other consonants. Like, oh, we got too many of these. You're Chris. We'll give you an easy one. You're Chris. Yeah. I accept it. They call his name tag a license like he's a lost dog. (laughs) And they raise young Chris Kringle to teach him how to make toys because the Kringles were toy makers by trade. But they no longer have anyone to give their toys to because they couldn't get past the winter warlock over the mountain. And Chris vows to make the trip for them when he's bigger. Mike, I have. Can I jump in here for a second? Yes. Yes. I completely am following that part of the story. Why do they continue to make the toys if all they're going to do once they're finished them is throw them out on the front yard? <laughs> yes. I have that in my notes, too. <laughs> that was I was yelling at the TV, like, why? (laughs) (laughs) Like, why not say, you know what? Maybe we'll just take a break from making the toys until we figure out a new plan. Like there, there's this giant pile. They've painted them. They've done everything to them. And they're just like, well, this one's done. Chuck it out in the pile. (laughs) They really like to make toys, Mike. (laughs) They like to make toys. And the winter warlock is, seems to be effectively quarantining them in their Rainbow River Valley. So didn't think that would get topical, but here we are. That's not even in my notes. So they have, you know, to keep busy and not go crazy. So guess I'll make another toy that I'll deliver later at some point. You would think that the whole Rainbow River Valley will be completely full by the time Claus gets there, but no. Also, I have a question. Why is he not pronounced Klaus like they're in Burgermeister Meister Burger area. Why is it Klaus and not just Chris Claus? (laughs) Little hints throughout this uh, put this geographically in Sweden. So it makes sense. I don't know. (laughs) Just asking. Did anyone have any idea? I don't know. I don't. (laughs) Yeah. Reading the script. Well, it's Claus because it's Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) The voice of young Chris Kringle is Greg Thomas, who was also a kid voice in a few other Rankin-Bass specials, including Frosty. Someday when I'm bigger, I'll take them for you, Tonta Kringle. And here's why I don't trust IMDb. They credit this Greg Thomas as playing himself in the movie PCU. (laughs) Nope. And I am pretty certain that the kid who voiced young Santa Claus in this special is not the same Greg Thomas who plays the saxophone in Parliament Funkadelic. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome, but it's not the same dude. (laughs) Just not getting the same vibes, especially not during this song he sings with Tonta Kringle about them being the first toy makers to the king. It's a Difficult responsibility when you accept an appointment from His Majesty. You must strive for just a perfect quality. Then you're the first toy maker to the king. And here's our first year worm of the special. I, I think this one is good. It's, uh, I think what makes it special is the repetitiveness of it because we get another version of the song we do. Uh, a little bit later. 
Uh, I don't think this is the best song of the special. No. But I, I think it, it's catchy enough for sure. It is definitely an earworm. It's uh, It sticks in my head. For, uh, it's one of the first ones that I think of when I think of the special. Maybe just because it's the first one that plays. But I have I have thoughts about the the image, the the, the, the storybook images like, that they're showing during sure. this. Um, especially a conspiracy theory that I came up with a few years ago about the king and what may have happened to him because there's another character still living in um, Sombertown who looks just like that king and I'm wondering is he the same guy is he, is he the king and he's been deposed and now he's living in Sombertown and um, I did notice that yeah he's very distinctive eyewear yeah <laughs> his glasses are diamond shape they're not and, square they're they're diamonds yeah and facial hair his facial hair yes. is pretty distinct as well he's a baseball enthusiast mm-hmm <laughs> I noticed that the book doesn't have any words other than toys and like number one and best stuff like that. Like it doesn't doesn't really tell you a story unless you it's more like a photo album than it is a book. It's a toy catalog. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want this one. We also invented the Sears wish book. <laughs> And at the end of this song, some voiceover kid says, So that's why he makes such wonderful toys. And that always makes me think of Batman. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where he gets all those wonderful toys. That child also imparted us on the wisdom of never rub another man's rhubarb. <laughs> <laughs> You're my number one guy. <laughs> Uh, Chris also had other teachers, the animals, who taught him how to run up trees with no hands. I've never seen Santa do that before. We're missing out on some superpowers here. Uh, The silliest of these superpowers is his trademark, Ho Ho Ho, which is from a seal barking. Yeah. So it was around this point I realized, okay, obviously this is a prequel, but we're getting all the answers to the questions that, aside from these kids who wrote these letters... No one was asking. <laughs> and that's when you made me think of Solo. Yeah. Like, everything you find in Solo. Were you dying to know how he got his last name when he met Chewbacca? Did you need to see the Kessel Run? No. But you're going to see all of it. And that's what this special is. You're going to find out why he has a beard. Exactly. There's a specific reason he grew a beard. <laughs> You got to see him as a little kid. Not to be confused with why did you grow a beard by They Might Be Giants. But still, that's what this movie is. It's solo. It's, I, I actually have the solo reference in my notes as well. Because uh, because I think some of the little, uh, the backstory discoveries are cute. Yeah. But then they go really far. I don't think we needed to know the the origins of the ho-ho. And then to, to come up with us, he's just, Learned it from friendly seals. Is <laughs> so weird. It's very Is the oh, that's how Han got the solo last name. Like that's that <laughs> moment of this. But yeah, this is this is committing all of the of the crimes that prequels do that fan bases just hate. Yeah, they they didn't make it canon like that sort of. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you the solo comparison, but I'll say that Solo pulls it off better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, I had such a good time watching Solo, but I didn't yeah. need to know the answers to any of that. But sure. No, 
I would, I would say it's almost like in Attack of the Clones where like, here's Boba Fett as a little boy and it's dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and the first hearty ho, ho, ho we get is the first we hear Mickey Rooney as the voice of Santa. Ho, 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 ho. Does anyone have a favorite Mickey Rooney role? Well, I mean, you know, he re- he replaced Millhouse. Yeah. That's fine. Jiminy Jillikers, Jiminy Jillikers. He was the biggest star in the world from, for what, 1939 to 1940, spanning two decades? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know everyone has a least favorite Mickey Rooney role. Oh, Yes. But, uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> my second favorite Mickey Rooney thing is Dana Carvey's impression of him when he was he was the biggest star in the I world. <laughs> the world. You hear me? The world. So that's what I think of with Mickey Rooney is Dana Carvey and The Simpsons, which is on brand for me. I think of Mickey Rooney, I think of Fallout Boy, because you know, radioactive man's psychic. And then I think of how we are friends with someone who is married to a, um, you know, a, many people that we have, um, but of the wife of, of one of our friends who does listen to this podcast once, once explained like, Oh, they got that from um, the Simpsons or the Simpsons got that from Fall Out Boy, the band. I'm like, no, it's the other way around. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> because, because once you're a certain age, you don't realize what came first, I guess. I don't know. She's, she's a little bit younger. <laughs> ah well, <laughs> but thought that Fallout Boy apparently was was before Radioactive Man. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so that happens. That's what I think of when I think of Mickey Rooney. I think of while I'm old, <laughs> <laughs> oh, not dear. as old as he was. <laughs> yeah. Well. Anybody else? The Muppets is my, the uh, yeah. That's a good one. That's I don't know. I mean, I've seen a lot of his older stuff, but uh, but that's the thing that pops into my head first. I know we're offending all of our grandparents as yeah. uh, my grandparents <laughs> roll in their graves. Like my, uh, my really, my favorite Mickey Rooney, I just equate him to these specials. Like I don't really yeah. have a touchstone elsewhere. The only other touchstone I have is Pete's dragon. Oh, yeah. Using that. Yeah. Right. Right. I swear he saw a dragon. <laughs> yeah. I, I know I've seen Mickey Rooney movies and stuff, old stuff. But most of my associations with him are when he's older and he's being Mickey Rooney, whether it's in these specials or the Muppets and Simpsons and things like that, where he's um, being referenced or or playing basically himself as the cameo. Mm -hmm. Also dressed up in a Santa suit in Silent Night, Deadly Night Part (laughs) 5. No, my. Oh, that's a paycheck rule. (laughs) So now Chris Kringle is a grown man, several heads taller than all his fellow Kringles, which I'm certain inspired John Favreau when he was making Elf. Yeah. We can all spot the Rudolph inspiration, but this gets overlooked, I think. And he's big enough to finally attempt to bring a delivery of toys to Sombertown. And here's where Tata Kringle gifts him with his own red Kringle suit. They let him grow to adulthood without giving him a matching suit? I... I I guess they're just not used to having that much material on hand. You know what I mean? Like, so it took them a while to source that. But while we're on the conversation of suits, I have to say, I really like the Chris Kringle variant that he's wearing here. That Um, like green shirt with the, the furry vest and the big belt and the brown pants. 
he looks like he should be in a Jethro Tull cover band or something. You know, it's- <laughs> <laughs> I am all about that fur vest. He rocks it. <laughs> I do kind of wish we saw more of that. But I did like that look on the elves. The elves you usually see, they're in the bright pastel blue or green or pink or you don't really see them matching Santa, but it works here with these guys. Yeah, it's a striking look. Well, Chris sets out on his journey and is immediately bowled into by a penguin. (laughs) I'm glad it's acknowledged here because sometimes penguins just show up in Christmas things and people forget penguins don't live in the Arctic. What is a penguin doing here? You're looking for a steak, a branch, a log, a pole, the North Pole, no, the South Pole. Well, little feller, that's on the other end of the earth. You're just about as lost as you can get. Topper the Penguin was my favorite character in this whole thing. Yeah. And I had to ask Aaron when he showed up, I'm like, wait, what what uh, Hogwarts house is he in with that scarf? Hey, he's a Hufflepuff. <laughs> he is a Hufflepuff. <laughs> I have that note as well. He's got a Hufflepuff <laughs> scarf. How did he get his name? I have watched this thing a billion times and I can't figure out what chris locks on to i don't know i don't get it either i was like it's not mr popper's penguins though <laughs> he just says the yeah. word topper for no reason at all and he goes i know i'll call you topper it doesn't make any sense now now cut that out come on Ed, Ed, topper i'll call you topper it felt like they tried to make him stumble upon it and then they forgot to make him actually stumble upon it yeah, <laughs> I I right. think Chris at this point has not interacted with a lot of other things. <laughs> <laughs> so he maybe got nervous and just blurted out nonsense. Your name will be Flapdoodle. That's going to be your name. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's also the, the same the same immediate decision that Tonta Kringle made, like, you're Chris. Like, oh, you're Topper. Yep. You're yeah. Topper. Yeah. That's your name. Well, that settles uh, that. More muddy history about Topper. And some point in re-airings of this, they changed his name to Waddles. Really? Has yeah. It seems no. to be a similar case as the song Fame and Fortune in Rudolph, where it was changed after the original airing and then the original edit was restored later. Topper is the original name, according to Arthur Rankin's shooting script from this special, which is now in the possession of a Rankin-Bass historian that I follow by the name of Rick Goldschmidt. So if he says the Penguin's name is Topper, I trust him. In an old blog post of his, he said he wasn't sure why they changed the name to Waddles. Because Topper doesn't make any sense. (laughs) No, he guessed it might. Yeah. He also guessed it might have been a legal issue involving the character Topper who Mm. can communicate with ghosts from the 1930s movie. Yeah, yeah. So as Topper and Chris set out for Sombertown, we get our first true glimpse of the Winter Warlock. But they get out of there quickly before anything happens. And they arrive in Sombertown, where Burgermeister Meisterburger has outlawed all toys because he tripped over one on the stairs and broke his funny bone. (laughs) We know he broke his funny bone because the doctor tells him this after taking his temperature. (laughs) (laughs) That guy's got no medical training. He was the king. Somehow that's grandfathered him into being the town physician. (laughs) 
Hi, everybody. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Burgermeister's got a thermometer in his mouth. Doctor looks at it and says, as I suspected, you broke your funny bone. He also has a bandage around his ankle. Where does he think the funny bone is? <laughs> <laughs> no medical degree. Nope. But that's why he's a crotchety old Meisterberger, I guess. So he declares, <laughs> I hate toys. Either they are going or I am going. And I am certainly not going. <laughs> that devolved into Cookie Monster. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> but that leads us into our reprise of, well, now it's no more toy makers to the king. It's a difficult responsibility. That you accept from the number one lawmaker, me. Have it known throughout the land from sea to sea. There'll be no more toy makers to the king. Which raises another question because there's no king, right? So why is he declaring that there's no toy makers to the king if there's no king? Or is there a king, but he, like a only a figurehead. I guess if there's no king, then there's nothing that reports to the king. Did he usurp the king? Is that why he's living in some house with kids or his descendants? That's, yeah, that's my theory. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah, maybe he overthrew the, the king, and the yeah. king is living in his basement or something, tied up to the furnace. He's got a little army of... <laughs> Grimsley's. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few people who look just like Grimsley, but this Grimley's is number one guy. <laughs> <laughs> Burgermeister probably worm tongue the king and he's bound. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. So he has his troops gather up all the toys in town just as Chris Kringle comes walking in. And this is a great visual right here. Just his entrance into this gray, colorless town where even the children have gray hair. In walks this tall, bright-eyed, ginger-haired man in a bright red suit and his best friend, a penguin in a scarf. These children reminded me of, oh, what is it? Who are they from, from A Christmas Carol? Want and who's ignorance. the other one? Ignorance. Want and ignorance. Yes. Yeah. They are dressed the part. And at the slightest mention of toys, everyone, in, all the adults in town run into their homes and shut the doors and windows. Only people left outside are these kids doing their chores, which appear to be laundry in the town square's fountain. And that doesn't seem sanitary. Well, it's also, you know, one large mismatched crocheted sock versus one large knit sock. It doesn't. It doesn't seem sustainable for a, a family. No, of, they're of ch especially with children. Like they're not. They're clearly not the child socks because they're very large. Go wash my stockings. They're washing stockings, which <laughs> they specifically mention. They hang by the fireplace, so they dry overnight. Foreshadowing. <laughs> This is great, though. This is the exact sort of moment where a little kid watching this is going to go, oh, hey, and point to the TV like Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> <laughs> but here's where the dialogue gets a little weird. They lead into... You better watch out. Better not cry. Better not pout. Why? I'm telling you why. Yeah? Because I came to town, and look what I brought. Toys! Chris tells these kids, 
who just got their toys taken away and told, go do the laundry outside to stop being so glum about it because this stranger came to town and he doesn't like sour faces. Shut up, Santa. (laughs) I love how instantly frustrated Chris gets here is that he's to these kids that he's like, I'm telling you why. Like he just barks that. (laughs) He spent like 30 seconds with them and they're already on his nerves. (laughs) It's a weird way to bring in that line right out of the gate. This is your first visit here. No one knows who you are. But as soon as he shows the kids, look, I brought toys for you. Well, that gets them all excited until the teacher shows up. Wait, you must not play with toys. Their teacher is Miss Jessica. And spoiler alert, kids, this is the future Mrs. Claus. I I like the design of her, but I have to say, and I don't want to spoil, you know, a few songs ahead. Um, she is blemished by a certain song that is going to come up a little <laughs> bit later. Um, but I, I, she's she's fine. I mean, she's fine. I'm assuming he meant fine in, you know, like, oh, she's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, like exactly. how Chris Kringle well, thinks of her. <laughs> I mean, she, clearly she doesn't belong. She's always the, obviously uneasy because she's not completely drab. So, um, she has a little bit of vibrancy in her hair. She seems kind. So blah. And, um, and you know, her, her, her outfit isn't black. It's, it's like a dark blue. So, so, you know, there's something wrong with that teacher. <laughs> eh, she's not much of a character. She's kind of feels more like a prop. <laughs> she's just there so that the kids who are like, how did you meet your wife? Can get their answer. I'm going to, be the lone defender i guess i like her she's uh she's she's pretty i think she makes a great ally for chris um i like how she's kind of somewhere between the complete grayness of this town and and the vibrancy of chris like she's got kind of his his color scheme but but still very kind of muted um yeah i don't know i like, I like the little journey that she goes on too where she kind of starts off kind of toeing the the Burgermeister's line there. And, um, but you know, Chris wins her over. Like, I, I don't think she ever really buys into that, you know, that the Burgermeister is right, but you know, that's the rules of the town and she's an authoritarian uh, authority figure. And so she's going to uphold it, but he, Chris pulls her to, uh, you know, to his side. Um, she, she starts to sneak around. I guess, you know, kind of continuing the Robin Hood reference. She's the maid Marian. Uh, yeah. Of the story. I like her. I, I do like her. I, I hope it didn't sound like I didn't like no. her. I'm just like, well, I like her. That's why it's obvious that she's, you know, she doesn't belong in that somber town. Grr. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do love this first appearance. They And like Michael said, they wanted to make her look stunning and modest at the same time because she's somewhere in between. She's got a long silvery dress that's supposed to look drab, but it's like a very muted blue and Mm. her hair up in a modest bun and holding her glasses on a stick, (laughs) which I learned is called a lorgnette. The voice of Miss Jessica is Robbie Lester, who... Outside of this is best known for her work with Disney, particularly on the Disneyland record and book series. You will know it is time to turn the page when Tinkerbell rings her little bells like this. Oh, wow. That's cool. 
Uh, she was also the original voice of Toucan Sam's nephews in early Fruit Loops commercials. <laughs> <laughs> and she sings a little later, so I'm going to save my other Robbie Lester trivia for when we get there. For now, she's going off on Chris for bringing illegal toys into their town and trying to get them in the trouble. And Chris just decides, nah, that's a dumb law. Here, have a China doll. And wins <laughs> her over just like that. Uh, and next, we get the song officially titled Be Prepared to Pay. But you probably know it better as If you sit on my lap today, a kiss, a toy is the price you'll pay. When you tell what you wish for in a whisper, be prepared to pay. Oh, that creepy song, man. <laughs> yeah, I knew we were going to go here. I felt dirty. I felt offended. I felt all sorts of things, and none of them were good. <laughs> It's catchy, though. <laughs> yeah. It's catchy and it's Santa, but yeah. I am an HR professional. <laughs> so I'm watching this, I'm like, that is this quid pro quo. This is textbook harassment. This is... <laughs> They show this at the uh, Santa training as the what not to do video. (laughs) (laughs) And it happens with a weird soap opera dream sequence border around the screen. I don't know why that's there. It indicates that he's been thinking of this for a very long time. Oh, no. Like, like, oh, yes, children, wriggle on my lap, please. And at one point, it sounds like he says, you know, not sit. It's, it sounds very much like he's not saying sit on my lap. Like, yes, children, get me all filthy. And no. yeah. <laughs> Good night, everybody. That's our show. You, using Jessica's doll, point to where the man touched him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But we come out of that as the streets are filled with children playing with their toys just as the Burgermeister is making his way through town on his wheelchair behind his little regiment of soldiers. He tries to arrest the kids, but Chris owns up to giving them all the toys and offers Burgermeister a yo-yo. And I love this scene. It almost ends right here. For you. A yo-yo? I love yo-yos. Until Grimsley has to be the killjoy and point out, hey, you're breaking your own law. Grimsley. (laughs) Ruined it for everybody. Yeah. But that almost gets Chris locked up, but he and Topper run out of there. And oh, hey, here's where all that animal training superpowers come in handy. Escaping from the cops. That's why we don't hear about it. You know, as great as the stop motion is, there the 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 running effect is still pretty janky. And I know maybe they're doing the, his heightened abilities here, thanks to the squirrels and whatnot. But th- yeah. I, I've noticed this in some, some of the other Rankin and Bass specials that anytime you need them to run, it's it doesn't look great. It just looks off, right? Yeah, it looks really clunky, like perky jerky, sort of like that doesn't seem right. <laughs> no, I feel like they've always had trouble trying to stop motion animate speed. Yeah. Well, Chris and Topper make it out of Sombertown okay, but they run right into the Winter Warlock's turf. And an evil tree's branches detain our hero as we go to commercial with Chris making the weirdest <laughs> face as he tries to free himself. He looks like um, someone left him alone with a belt or something, or he was like... <laughs> 
on drugs. I don't know. His eyes dilate. And when they dilate, they all turn large and blue, like with no pupil. It's super weird. Very strange. This face <laughs> makes me laugh every time I watch this. He's just jiggling his head, sort of sideways sneer. <laughs> I'm going to have to post that gift now, aren't I? Yes. Dang it. <laughs> no, I have you. And you'll never get away. <laughs> we'll return after these messages. Thanks a lot. Merry Christmas. We now continue with Santa Claus is coming to town. Mike, can we talk about uh, the, the the design of Winter Warlock for a second, though? Yes, because um, I, I think it's I think he's great, and um, in kind of classic Rankin and Bass fashion, he starts pretty uh, menacing. Uh, like scary if you're thinking of this being viewed by little kids like yeah. and that's one thing i kind of notice uh, which is similar in a lot of the rankin and bass stuff that uh in any great fantasy the dark has to be pretty dark and they go there that when you first kind of meet like the the monsters the big bads you know even if you think of the bumble i mean he's a bit he's yeah. a bit terrifying at the at the start and i think the winter warlock starts pretty creepy but then in like as i said the classic rankin and bash fashion he gets redeemed and then softened and is likable towards the end and even physically changes when that happens yeah as well which is kind of cool yeah he uh chris convinces mr warlock as he insists on being called to tell his tree monster to let him go because chris has a toy for him too it's a choo-choo train and that just melts the warlock's icy heart and you can see the transformation happen in almost real time yeah he's a large um jagged ice block basically at first and then he turns into like a, a older gentleman with a fancy nightgown <laughs> yeah even his fingers like pre-transformation like just long spindly you know almost like magic wands themselves or claws or something um but then he gets normal hands at the end but yeah it is it's i like both i like both versions like he, he turns from this terrifying warlock into kind of like this gentle wizard i hadn't thought about the comparisons that but the bumble and other things that as soon as um DJ started saying it, I was like, yes, I can totally see that. And I, even before you brought up the bumble, I was thinking of him and, and I really like those characters and I like when they are cuddly at the end. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, it's a good design. He's a fun one. Yeah, and Winter, as he now insists on being called, is very cuddly at the end. Uh, admits it's going to be hard for him to change and be a good warlock, but Chris shows him it's simply about taking the first step. And here's the real earworm of this special. Put one foot in front of the other. Put one foot in front of the other. And soon you'll be walking across the floor. Put one foot in front of the other. And soon you'll be walking out the door. Yeah, this is the banger of the special. There's no two ways about it. This is the only one I ever remember besides, of course, Santa Claus is coming to town in this one. Yeah, I think this is what the special is. Uh, one of the major things it's remembered for. I mean, this was a favorite of me and my sisters when we would watch it, especially when you get that put one foot in, when it slowly as the warlock is walking, that is great. Amen. So in the summer of 2019, my wife and I went to Spain and walked the Camino de Santiago, um, the pilgrimage across Northern Spain, we walked 500 something miles over the course of several weeks. We were walking, you know, 15 to 20 miles a day, and I don't, I sang this song in my head all that summer long. <laughs> when we get started out walking, you know, crossing the Pyrenees, it's really hard. And I bet. I'm just gonna put one foot in front of you. <laughs> like, I even, you know, at some point in the day, I would take out headphones and I would, I had pulled this song up and um, played it on repeat a few times <laughs> to to while I was walking. Yeah, especially when you get up those mountains, you get to that slow part that TJ was talking about. Yeah. Well, in exchange for the gift and for melting his icy heart, Winter offers to help Chris using his magic, starting with a gaze into his magical crystal snowball. Brandon, that's the same trick Winterbolt uses later. Yeah. It can be good magic when used with good intentions, and in this case, we see Jessica out in the woods looking for Chris. Here she's got letters from the children of Sombertown asking if he'll bring them new toys since Burgermeister took all their old ones. And Chris is happy to bring them new toys, but only if they're good. And thanks to his new magic trick from the Winter Warlock, he can use a snowball to see them when they're sleeping and know when they're awake, etc. That explains that. And that also explains why Santa operates at night. It started because he had to make his move while Burgermeister was asleep. We get the next few. Here's why Santa does this scene's pretty rapid fire. He goes down chimneys because Burgermeister orders everyone to lock their doors. The chimneys in Sombertown are man-sized, so no trouble getting down them here. They're like the size of Mario pipes, I thought. (laughs) I do enjoy how they're like, oh, look, this little girl, she's terminally ill. Let's never talk about her again. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it didn't didn't work out. They're just on the ground floor in a bright, you know, curtainless window watching this child sleep saying like she's very ill oh well (laughs) (laughs) at least she gets a toy uh he fills stockings to hide toys after burgermeister gets wise and starts searching homes and threatening to punish any kid caught with a toy so stockings are hiding places uh then burgermeister finally has enough 
and sends his guard to arrest the Kringles and the Winter Warlock, who's now powerless. He can't even do any card tricks. Like that line. We know why he's powerless. Is it because he he's no longer feared, or or did he like waste all of his magic on a crystal snowball, which really sounds more like an ice ball? Like, do we know why he doesn't have a lot of magic power anymore? I think the implication was supposed to be that by melting his heart, that drained him of evil magic, and that's the only kind of magic he knew. Gotcha. So then later, because at the end of the special, he has magic again, so he must have learned some light magic, I guess. Some <laughs> good ice good magic. magic. Yes. Yeah, good, good ice, ice magic. magic. He's now a light healer, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a cleric. Yes. You don't just learn that overnight. I mean, no, that you takes gotta, some time. It's a, he's, there's a journey this guy goes on. Yeah. <laughs> But Chris eventually surrenders when Burgermeister threatens his buddy Topper. They don't arrest Jessica, though, even though she ran over there to warn them. And here's where she gets her own song. My world is beginning today. Did Rankin Bass ring in the 70s with this sequence? Amen. Oh, pretty psychedelic. <laughs> this is this is just a meme, this entire song. Like <laughs> it's so psychedelic. It's so it is so out of place from the rest of what's going on. I remember being a kid and even us being able to go. What is this? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> like this, you know, this was, it was, uh, it's when she whips, she takes her bun out and whips her hair. There's <laughs> yellow <laughs> colors behind it. It's like, what in the world? Yeah. So when she's singing, I'm distracted by, yeah, it reminded me a lot of, um, this is going to be so strange. Um, in Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. <laughs> <laughs> Not where I thought that was going. There's a nightclub where a woman is singing Save the Earth, Save the Earth, psychedelic <laughs> background all around her, and that's what it reminded me of. Um, but also, I was a little distracted because in the fountain, in the square, in Sombertown, there's definitely a Burgermeister Burger statue in the middle of the fountain. Yep. But he's also doing a very particularly um, Germanic salute. Um, his his hand his arm is very rigid, and it's 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 in the front, and it's also elevated in a certain way. And I'm just like, what Reich is this? I'm not sure, <laughs> but it, it didn't seem. I I don't know. They knew exactly what they were doing. I, it was it's weird. It's like it's like woman's lib and like psychedelia, and and we already know that Chris is on drugs because his eyes keep going like various sizes and then and then there's like the statue of this tiny little i don't know very militant man yeah that ties back something i think we missed in all of the the burgermeister trying to battle what he's doing uh uh, giving the kids is that there's definitely a scene where he uh he piles up a bunch of of 
toys that he doesn't like this German man. He wants to censor these things and sets them on fire in a big pile. I'm like, oh, what's going on there? Right in front of the kids. <laughs> it, he's burning a, a, a wood product of some sort. Not books, but. but. <laughs> I like how this whole special is timeless, except for this song, which feels yeah. like it is trapped forever in 1970. Amen. First off, Jessica's nose looks super weird when they try to draw it in 2D. <laughs> Maybe don't outline it so it looks like a cheese stick. Is this the only point in which we get actually like hand-drawn animation as opposed to stop motion? In this special, I think so, yeah. Except for like the, the, book. store, the books and the little postage stamps at the beginning. Yeah, it, it's, it feels very out of place. Um, yeah, it, it, it's set does. apart by a, a multitude multitude of ways. It's also not really about Christmas or about toys or anything. It's about like who am I as a woman? So yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's I I understand why people would be like, huh, what? But it's also like, okay, well, um, they're trying to give her some dimensionality, maybe, but especially um just visually and tonally, it doesn't jive. It doesn't. Um I mentioned I had more Robbie Lester trivia concerning her singing. So really, they wanted to give her a song to sing. Uh, she provided the singing voice for two Disney characters, Miss Bianca in The Rescuers and Duchess in The Aristocats. Incidentally, both otherwise voiced by Eva Gabor. Hmm. Well, that night, Jessica sneaks over to the jail and sets everyone free, starting at the totally unguarded cell of the Winter Warlock. Where are your troops, Burgermeister? He's a warlock. Come on, guys. And they do they not even pat this guy down? I mean, he's got <laughs> how much stuff's in his pocket still? Yeah. <laughs> like, the guy's got candles and like all the, I mean, I know they might be useless, but what, what are they doing here? What kind of system are they running? Yeah, they don't know it's useless. <laughs> right. Winter doesn't have any more traditional magic left but he's got some spare magic feed corn that makes reindeer fly that's all but what good is that in the prison break oh exactly the thing we need well fine then (laughs) (laughs) i'm happy that we're still on the original rankin bass reindeer model here so the reindeer still look like they did in rudolph including rudolph himself who makes a quick cameo but that's another story that was a good joke yeah but that's another story but Wait a minute, like Rudolph does his, tradi- you know, his timeless meep. Like I was like, who's this, the Rudolph runner? Like, I mean, he's like the, it's, <laughs> that was odd. Also, his father's still up there. It's, his really mean dad is still flying and and they don't acknowledge him at all. <laughs> this is that moment where it's strange like the 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 all of the Rankin and Bass specials are connected but at the same time they're not you yeah. know it's like they're, they're none of them really carry over largely to each other like they they do Rudolph but it doesn't it's not the same design or like they they they, they characters come and go things that they establish in another special aren't really carried over it's like it, it it's like that when I heard Rudolph meep I was like <laughs> What? What? Like, what is this? I mean, it, I guess they didn't have the foresight of the, you know, interconnected universe no. to this point yet. But the, I mean, there are, there is some carryover. I know you guys covered the uh, Christmas in July where 
you guys call the them Avengers. like the Avengers. Yes. Yeah. But there is like these things are not they're very loosely connected. Like they're they kind of uh contradict each other sometimes. They do well, uh, quite a bit. As far as design goes, it's just it part of it is because they didn't think to take better care of their original models. If they, if they were doing these today, it would be planned out from the beginning as a cinematic universe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Marvel has spoiled us. And also, like, I mean, this wildly, like, I wrote in my notes, like, how many different origins do we have of Santa Claus? I mean, we have at least two, this and the life and adventures of Santa Claus (laughs) as being wildly different origins. But I feel like even some of the other ones I couldn't quite remember, like, touch on aspects of Santa's origin or backstory that don't go along with this. But yet they're all the rink and bath Santa. Yeah, and the elves all look completely different from each other from from special to special oh sure yeah because in this one it's like basically is he going to enslave his adopted relatives <laughs> um <laughs> like like they don't really ex- they explain the elves but not in a way that really fits with the you know the more accepted santa mythos about elves and santa what i want to know is how did they get out of their cells they wished for it magic feed corn Magic feet. Sure, it was some animal power. <laughs> Maybe he learned to wiggle like a snake or something. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't see that part. Wiggle like a snake. But or maybe Je- after Jessica let her hair down in that song, she kept her bobby pin and picked the lock. That's yeah. it. Yeah, like that. That was why she let her hair down. She was just too busy singing that we didn't. Yes. That was all part of it. That's it. I'm getting them out myself. That's what that song was about. I was way off. Well, now Burgermeister posts wanted posters of Chris Kringle with his face on them. But that's an easy fix by growing a full beard. That's right, kids. Santa's got whiskers to hide from the government. It looks completely different. You, if, he, if he's trying to, to disguise himself, he probably shouldn't wear the same outfit every day. Or, yeah. um, I don't know. Maybe like not. A different hat, maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> go back to that for uh, best. Yeah, there you go. go. Right, right. Go back to being Jeremiah Johnson. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> this is like when King Shark says that he's going to disguise himself just by wearing a mustache. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's where Tata Kringle suggests he no longer use their family name. So now she reveals she kept his name tag from when he was a baby. So he goes back to calling himself Claus. I got it. He was recognizable because of his name. Okay, yes. there you go. <laughs> no, I'm not Chris Kringle. My name's Claus. And here's where they officially unite Mr. and Mrs. Claus by saying that's the name she agreed to take when he asked her to marry him. And we get a very cute wedding scene on Christmas Eve. I liked that. They decorated a tree in the woods and placed their gifts to each other under it. So I kind of like how that tradition ties back to Santa's wedding to Mrs. Claus. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that too. I like the the, the decorating the decorating the trees, kind of how they explained that. I thought that was a nice touch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the uh, that's where the wizard kind of turns a corner there because he's been. Well, I, I forgot about like when they escape from the uh, from the jail and they're all flying away on their on their their flying reindeer. One of my favorite lines of the whole special 
is uh, I'm not such a loser after all. <laughs> uh, all right. And then you have him. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then you have him there at the wedding. And, and just, I like the little kind of prayer that he, he gives just, you know, just let me have just a little bit of magic left. And I feel like that's, that's going to open the doors for him later on to kind of, you know, by the end of the special spoilers, he's got full powers back. It seems like. Yeah. So, uh, but it all starts with this, just this one little act of, uh, kind of selfless kindness that he wants to do something special for Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got to be honest though. I think I forget every single time I watch this, that there is a song for the wedding. Yeah. Fred Astaire Mm -hmm, sings mm -hmm. the Claus's wedding song. What better way to tell you how much Yeah, that one is just completely unmemorable to me. Like it's I the visuals I remember, the the narrative yeah. point, but the song itself, it's like, oh yeah, wait a minute, Fred Astaire sings this. It's not super I memorable. Can't even think of the tune as you're talking. No. Yeah, exactly. I can't even hum it. No, I'm right. I'm looking at the pretty sparkly tree. I'm like, oh, that's lovely. And I'm thinking about like all of the pagan Yule traditions that were, you know sucked up into religion and this that and the other and like okay so they all came together here in a really nice way in this visual and i'm not even listening to the music at all i'm just looking at stuff (laughs) it it is a very beautiful song but it gets lost in everything else this explanation here for a santa thing and the like other ones just suit all of a sudden like yeah okay i'll go with that but this one, where this is why they we decorate trees and put presents on the trees, I know you also feel like <laughs> this is what it makes me roll my eyes. The most. Like, Come on, nah. Like, I mean, you built this whole thing with like this kind of Germanic type town, but you can't even go like that's the origins of the Christmas tree. You're tied in with that, but you're gonna come up with this completely out of. Like, it just feels like it comes out of nowhere. It, it doesn't really tie to Christmas. It ties to their wedding. I'm like, why would we all keep commemorating the Claus's wedding? Happy uh, anniversary. <laughs> like, uh, let me put up my Mr. and Mrs. Claus anniversary tree. <laughs> now let's shred it because the first anniversary traditional gift is paper. <laughs> Uh, well, if you think getting married on Christmas Eve seems out of the ordinary, it wasn't always. Up until the last maybe hundred years, Christmas Day was a popular day to get married because it was when young working class couples were guaranteed to have a day off together. Hmm. It's rare now because the wedding industry has become huge and I don't want to think about the cost of a Christmas Day wedding now. But Hallmark makes it look so easy. <laughs> <laughs> And here, buy all these ornaments for your tree, for your wedding tree. Here's a whole catalog just of wedding tree ornaments. Nice. Well, after the wedding, we see the whole group continue to move north to escape Burgermeister Meisterburger. And that's how they end up at the North Pole. And they pulled the castle straight from Rudolph to build here. Is Somber Town the only town in the entire world (laughs) (laughs) that this is like, we got to get away from that guy. We got to go all the way up north. It's like, isn't there other places, Chris? (laughs) There's there's a little bit of a clue because when he's 
Fred Astaire says the Burgermeisters yeah. died off. Yeah. And so it seems like there's like they're all in cahoots. Like they're all like oh. trying to chase down. Oh, Michael, there's a Santa council Puss. of Burgermeisters. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's they, called the Axis of council. Evil. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they killed off the main bad guy off screen it's like oh he died and his yeah. relative eventually died and the whole line <laughs> died off but but what happened that. to the mushroom oh they died his whole family yep fell out of power <laughs> here let's hang chris kringle's po- uh, portrait right in the city hall and this is when they recognize chris kringle now as santa claus we see him and the missus get older and their hair get whiter, and now he's got to cut his trip short to just one night a year. So, hey, wife, you okay if I fly around the entire world on our anniversary every year? <laughs> <laughs> they put it a little more kindly in this special, as S.D. Kluger tells us they chose the holiest night of the year. And he does say they choose it, so it's a mutual decision to make it their anniversary night. They have the hmm. whole day of Christmas to relax, I guess. The most relaxing day of the year. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, but Kluger wraps up the story with a plea that if we all tried to be like Santa and learn to give of ourselves our talent, our love and our hearts, maybe then there will be peace on Earth. And hey, the mail truck's working again. <laughs> Was he working on his truck this whole time while he's telling us this story? Joe, you know who else was working on their car while telling us a Christmas story? <laughs> yes, I do. Doc Brown. <laughs> Happy Back to the Future, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boom, we got it in there. <laughs> Witness the birth of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, let's talk about the song Santa Claus is Coming to Town in a surprise late edition of The History, the History of, Santa of Santa Claus, Claus is Coming, is coming to Town. Written by J. Fred Coots and Haven Gillespie, the earliest known recording of Santa Claus is Coming to Town was in 1934 by Harry Rezzer and his band. You better watch out, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why, Santa Claus is coming to town. Rezzer was first cousins with the Wright brothers, so affinity for air travel ran in the family. <laughs> wow. Do you have a favorite version of this song? Michael May. Um, I mean, the Gene Autry one is kind of the classic. Yeah. That's the one I always think of. Um, but boy, Elvis does a pretty mean version as well. So um, toss up between those two guys. DJ. I got to go with Gene Autry on that one, man. Brandon. Bruce Springsteen. Oh, that's a good version. <laughs> Joey. That's the only Springsteen song I like. That's my favorite Springsteen song. <laughs> oh, Clarence, you've been good this year. Yeah. Oh, not song. many, not many. That's I always oh, I always think many. of that one because he laughs. He yes. Springsteen laughs during that that version. He's, he's so self-serious so much of the time that he's he's having fun. He's joking yeah. with the audience and his band. That's why <laughs> the I other like guy it. starts ho ho hoing and he just loses it. That's my favorite <laughs> yeah. too. Wind's whipping down the boardwalk. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, do you have a favorite? Um, I don't know if it's necessarily favorite, but it's just one that's always, you know, just everywhere. Um, the Jackson five version, which makes it feel like the 
that the lyric toddle and coo is incorrect because he says toodle and coo, which is obviously a mistake. <laughs> no. um, but I'm like, every time someone says, you know, that toddles and coos, I'm like, toodle and coo in my head. That's all I hear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, the Santa Claus is coming to town that both the Jackson 5 and the Bruce Springsteen version borrow from is by the Crystals, and that version is my runner-up. That's a very good one. Mm. Uh, the first version of the song I remember hearing was on a Disney Christmas record sung by Larry Gross, the man behind Junk Food Junkie. Uh, but this Fred Astaire version here to play us out is also fantastic. He's accompanied by the Westminster Children's Choir. And I really enjoy, I think it's a flute that does the little doodly 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 do. It's a great touch. Yeah. It's very cute. Uh, but that is it, friends. Any final thoughts on Santa Claus is Coming to Town? Well, now I know how he uh, won the Millennium Falcon from Lando. <laughs> <laughs> he won it fair and square. <laughs> It was really cool that he built C-3PO as well. That was good. <laughs> I mean, now that was somebody else. I heard he built C-3PO. And I heard and I, how fast his pod could go. There you go. Thank you. I live with this. This like middle But um, no, I, I'm, I don't know. It's kind of a letdown that, you know, like, oh, here's everybody's story. And also, and also Mrs. Claus's name is Jessica. Like, Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels like middle shelf Breaking Bad. It's it's not a Rudolph, um, but it's also you know it's it's better than a lot of the other ones. <laughs> it's a big one from my childhood, so it's always going to have, I guess, a nostalgia value for me. Um, but I agree with Brandon. It's it's middle middle shelf. It's. Um, I don't know. It's not even my favorite Santa origin story. Like, I mean, just objectively, I think the, uh, I like the Frank Baum adaptation better. It just, it's got a lot more heart and spirit to it. Um, but this is the, this is the one that I watch every year and, and the songs are all just part of me. And, uh, so I don't know. It, it's, it's, I go back and forth on it. I were, like I watched it last year and I kind of just didn't even like it. Um, but watching it again this year, I kind of just let myself enjoy it. Let myself kind of be a kid again as I was watching it. And it just kind of depends on my mood, I guess. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I have to echo a lot of the things Michael said. I mean, this one, as I said off the top, uh, it was very important to my childhood. So nostalgia is at play here for sure. Uh, I don't think it reaches the heights of Rudolph and, my personal favorite Rankin and Bass is always going to be Year Without a Santa Claus. But I think this is still one of the all-timers. I think depending on where you place it in a top five, top ten, whatever, this is an annual watch to me. I think Burgermeister Meister Burger is just a fantastic villain. Yeah. Um, so there's some memorable, great songs. Uh, I, th I think it's a classic. It's absolutely a classic. My kids latched onto this more than I did, I feel like. So it's nice to see them really enjoy it. And I think it, it has grown on me because of watching them enjoy it. But that will put a bow on another Christmas countdown and 100 episodes of the Advent Calendar House. And if you think I'm in danger of running out of holiday specials to cover, you are sorely mistaken.
<laughs> I have many, many more in the bank. But thank you all so much for joining me again. I am eternally grateful. And I forgot to write a joke here. <laughs> <laughs> that should stay in. <laughs> <laughs> and if people want to open your mail before it gets to you. <laughs> and then tell you the backstory of everybody in their neighborhood. Where can they find you on the internet? Brandon. I'm mostly on Twitter at brandmed, or sometimes you'll find me on Instagram at blessedarethegeek. Aaron. Um, Ms. Aaron M. Evans at Twitter. Michael May. Uh, Twitter handle is Michael May Comics, spelled with an X at the end. DJ. You can find me on two podcasts, Classic Film Jerks and Pop Culture Retrofit Podcast. Just look for those on all the social platforms. And thanks for having me on the show, Mike. Always a pleasure. And Joey. You can find me on Twitter at I'm Gonna DJ 24 And you can hear me on Wynet Radio at WynetRadio.net. And I'm on Twitter at Fall West Mike and Advent Cal House. If you want to find show notes for all the tangents we went on today, they are at <laughs> adventcalendar.house. Thanks, everybody. Y'all make my heart grow three sizes. <laughs> well, there's only one more sleep till Christmas, unless you want to get a nap in. Get a nap in. You deserve it. And speaking of naps, this show is going to settle down for a long winter's nap, but I've already made my list and checked it twice of 12 specials I want to talk about for Christmas in July. So I'll talk to you again on July the 1st, 2022. Until then, for Aaron, Joey, Brandon, and the other two Michaels, live from my easily escapable jail cell that can be opened by magic feed corn. This is Mike Westfall reminding you to please be careful of the icy patch. Happy birthday, baby Jesus. I need a nap. Yay. Well done. Happy anniversary to Claus. <laughs> yes. Right. Happy anniversary, Claus. Oh, thanks, guys. Santa Claus is coming. And now a message from some of us here at the Christmas Podcast Network. Season's greetings from the Christmas Creeps Podcast. This is Joseph Wade wishing everyone a happy holidays, a merry Christmas, a pleasant life day, and a happy and safe new year. Hello, this is Art from A Cozy Christmas Podcast. And I'm wishing you and yours a very merry Christmas. Well, hello, everybody. This is Todd from Christmas Clatter, and I hope you're having a very Merry Christmas. I hope you're having some great time with your family, friends, your loved ones. Stay healthy and well out there, and may the peace of the holidays be with you. And remember, today and every day, keep Christmas hope alive. Merry Christmas. Hi everyone, Dwayne here, formerly of the Tinsel Tunes podcast, and now from the Townsend Lights Facebook page and the Dwayne the Bearded Drummer YouTube channel. 
I just want to wish everyone a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. I wish everyone best for 2022 and I hope that going forward everyone stays happy, stays positive, looks after everyone and as I used to say on the podcast, be excellent to each other and rock on. Hey Ray, it's Mike from the Snow and Southtown Christmas podcast and the Christmas story band Ralphie's Red Riders. I just wanted to say we've been having a lot of fun podcasting, but also having a lot of fun listening to all the other podcasts. Uh, You guys make Christmas a lot of fun. And so we just wanted to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And we're looking forward to 2022. See you guys next year. Hey guys, this is Chris Kringle from Kringle Talks Christmas, wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hey everybody, my name is Jeff from the Lost Christmas Podcast, and I absolutely love Christmas. I wanted to say a very merry, merry Christmas to all of you out there, and a happy new year. I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, and merry Christmas, y'all. Hi, this is Kim from Planning for Christmas Podcast, and I just want to wish you all a merry Christmas and a very happy new year. Hello, this is Adam from the Merry Britsmas Podcast the podcast that covers all things Christmas from a British perspective. I wanted to wish you all a very happy Christmas and potentially a very happy Boxing Day if you'd like to try out something a bit different and a bit British this Christmas, where the whole of Britain just chills out, eats the leftovers and watches lots of TV and film. So try a British Christmas this year by watching the Royal Family, eating some mince pies and listening to some Slade. Merry Christmas. Hi, this is Ken from The Sounds of Christmas, the station and the podcast. I'm sure I'm not the first to say this to you, but Merry Christmas. Hope you and yours have a wonderful holiday and a terrific 2022. And may you always believe in Santa Claus. Hello, everyone. This is Matt from the TGI podcast. And I just wanted to wish you and yours a very, very Merry Christmas. Hello. This is Lasse Vogt from the It's a 90s Christmas podcast. I, together with Liar Press, wish you Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and a very Happy New Year. Hi, this is Scott from Holly Jolly Xmasu, your podcast destination for Japanese Christmas music. Wishing everyone a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I'm Robin. I'm Juno. We're from I'm Not Complaining with Robin and Juno's podcast. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Oi, what are you two doing in here? Get, get away from Nothing. my microphone. Get away from my microphone. Clear off, both of you. Clear no. off. That's a lot of some recording. Get out of here. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jack from the Total Christmas Podcast. I want to wish everybody a wonderful Christmas and a Happy New Year. All the best for 2022. Yours sincerely, Jack. P.S. Did I already say Merry Christmas? Oh, yes, I did. Yeah, that was that was the whole thing, wasn't it? That was the main thing. Okay, I'm off now. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Chris from the Christmas Time in the City podcast. Wishing everyone a very Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. This is Mike Westfall from the warming glow of the Advent Calendar House, wishing you and everyone you love a Merry Christmas and best wishes for a happier, healthier new year. Hi, this is Tim Babb from the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast, wishing you a Christmas filled with family, friends, food, joy, love, movies, music, and a new year filled with all the things you love, especially for those things you love, our Christmas podcasts. Merry Christmas, everybody. This is Sean from the Christmas Podcast podcast, 
wishing you a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. I hope 2022 becomes one of the best years you've had in recent history. Merry Christmas, everybody. Stay safe, and I'll see you at the Shispering Pines. Hello, this is Scarlett. And this is Lonnie from the Netflix Miss Podcast. Wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Hey, Jerry, is this on? Oh, oh, start. Hello, everybody. This is Manny from Feliz Christmas and Merry Navidad. Wishing everybody listening to this wonderful episode a very Merry Christmas, a Feliz Navidad. And I'm sharing all my blessings and sending all my blessings your way. So for now, Feliz Christmas, Merry Navidad. Hello, everyone. I'm Charlene from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I hope you all had the best holiday season spent with family and the people that mean the most to you. Love and Christmas lights, baking and Christmas movies from my family to yours. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I'm Wayne from the Christmas Alphabet Podcast. And I want to wish you a very happy Christmas and many, many blessings for 2022 and a happy new year. Hey, everyone. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm Tom. And we're the elves from Tis the Podcast. And we're here to thank you for making this year a little jollier and a little brighter. And to wish you and yours a very... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And a Happy New Year. Hi, this is Marty from Lit for Christmas, and I'm lifting my glass and a toast to all of you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from Amanda and myself. And remember, it's not Christmas without some Christmas spirits. Cheers. Every Monday, everyone, this is Robert from the Behind the Bells podcast, the weekly show that dives into the world of Christmas movies and television specials, wanting to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Hello, this is Glenn Warren, the host of the Seasons Eatings podcast. As we gather around the table this holiday season, I want to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas and a happy and safe and prosperous new year. What's up, dudes? This is Jerry D., the host of the Totally Rad Christmas Podcast, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Totally Rad New Year. Later, dudes. Later, dudes.